Hey, everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the show. This is where I sit down with amazing humans, unpack their brains with the goal of helping you live your dreams and career, hobby, and life. Today's guest is the one and only, the inimitable Mr. Chris Bosch, 11-time NBA All-Star, two-time NBA championship, gold medal, Hall of Fame, insane athlete, and he has an amazing book that we get to talk about called Letters to a Young Athlete. Now, this is not just about sports, although he's an insane sports figure. This is about lessons for life, for business, and for changing your life to the life from where you are right now to the life of your dreams. There are so many of the same principles that Chris uh, invoked. He has a handful of pillars we talk about in this episode, some of the, the pivotal moments some of the pivotal moments in his life uh, and with some very, very tactical advice, things that what he does to visualize, for example, very specifically um, that you can take away. So I'll get out of the way. Enjoy my conversation with Mr. Chris Bosch. All right, if there was one thing we all had way back in that weird world that was 2020, it was time alone. Maybe you called it isolation, maybe you called it introspection, Anyway, you think about it, there was more time to think and reflect, but also to imagine and to envision what the future might look like. So now in 2021, what will this year be? Will you take a step towards that passion, toward what you know deep down inside you're meant to be doing? Isn't it time to put action behind those beliefs, those thoughts, those dreams that you've had? I think it is, and there are lots of ways to do that. Listening to podcasts like this is one, but I want to hear invite you to sign up for Creative Live. Now, Creative Live is where the world's top creators, entrepreneurs, Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, and the best of the best go to teach what they've learned over the course of a lifetime. Creative Live has classes in photography and video, art, design, music, audio, and all kinds of business classes. Anything that has to do with making a living and a life in any of those disciplines Creative Live has created a class just for you from the ground up, taught by one of those groundbreaking leaders in the space. This is what I believe is the best creative and entrepreneurial library of learning content on the planet, more than 20,000 hours. And this is where millions of people go to learn. So I wanna invite you to make the best of the rest of 2021. Make it your best year yet. And I want you to go check out creativelive.com slash Creator Pass. That's where you can sign up for the Creative Live subscription that'll unlock thousands of hours, thousands of classes, and most importantly, give you the fuel, the rocket fuel that you need to take off. There's all kinds of payment options there. You can either pay annually or pay monthly, whatever works best for you. So I'd invite you to go check it out and take advantage of creativelive.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it brings me great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Mr. Chris Bosch is in the house. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm uh, excited to be here, man. Appreciate well, you. Congratulations on the book, uh, let alone, obviously, a storied career uh, as a basketball legend. Um, but one of the things that I, I like to start out these conversations with is for the like 11 people of the million listeners that we got... I, I want to know if you can describe a little bit about your origin story. Take us back for anyone, one of the, again, eight people in the universe who don't know you from yeah. uh, your storied career as a basketball legend, <clears throat> but uh, orient us to to your youth. What was uh, it like growing up uh, and how did you make your way to where you are today? 
Yeah, so um, I am from Dallas, Texas. So I'm originally from a small town called Hutchins, Texas. But and it's uh, it was a town of 2,000 people. I think it's uh, more people there now. Uh, but it was more of an industrious, uh, um, uh, agricultural, I guess, sort of part of town. Um, and, and, you know, I would always say Hutchins, but I went to school in Dallas. So we just say Dallas I'm from Dallas. But, Fair enough. Um, yeah, I grew up in Dallas, uh, but in particular, Hutchins, Texas. My grandma lived next door, um, it, you know, uh, very, um, uh, you know, very, I don't want to say strict, but very disciplined. Um, in our family, in our household, um, I was always either in practice or in church, pretty much, uh, whether that was with my grandma, my aunt. I have um, a lot of aunts and a lot of uncles, too. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, I'm just, um, uh, you know, raised uh, within a musical, spiritual family. And, um, you know, basketball is one of those things that I just gravitated towards. I love my dad, he would always take us to the recreation centers when he was younger, um, you know, taking his two sons to the to the games. He was playing in the church leagues or he would uh, take us to open gym. And, you know, it was always fun just going to watch my dad play pickup. And naturally, as a boy, watching your dad do something, you want to do the same thing, right? You emulate. So um, I fell in love with the game and then. I saw these games on TV and I, I know for sure in 91, um, everything started sticking. I saw, I saw Michael Jordan play in the championship against Magic Johnson. That alone was incredible in itself because my dad thought it was incredible and so did his friends, right? And then once I saw that, it, it, you know, you get if, for those who are lucky, um, and I've just been blessed to be one of those lucky ones to say, yeah, I want to do that. That is, uh, I want to do that. Not necessarily saying that, oh man, I'm going to be an NBA. That was the start, but I just want to play basketball. I'm already playing basketball. I didn't know you could do that. And, you know, it was, uh, it was just an incredible feeling seeing that. And I kept seeing these games on the same, around the same time. My dad would drive us up for the summer and drop us off at my grandma's house in Dayton, Ohio. You know, this is, it's how brave he was. It's, it's two boys, you know, and before adolescence, and you're taking them in a single cab F-150 from Dallas to Dayton. And every time he'd drop us off, it'd be night, and the, these games would be on. And that's when it started sticking in 91, 92. So after I saw that, I, you know, I couldn't get enough of it. Committed committed early. So (laughs) one of the things that, you know, uh, uh, you're aware that the audience who are listening right now, I mean, we like to have a huge range of guests on the show because um, here we talk about creativity, but also creating a a living and a life that you love. And so my goal is to bring the, you know, the world's top performers to this audience. And you, it's not a surprise that the top performers in any discipline share a bunch of the same characteristics. And one of the things that Mm -hmm. I heard in your story just there is this connection that you had with the game. And Mm -hmm. I was hoping you can go, you know, I want to get into your your book, uh, obviously uh, that is just come out and it's huge. Uh, I'm seeing it everywhere. Uh, I've got a copy of it open here in front of me. Uh, it's, It's an amazing journey. But when I, I want you to retrace, if you can, this 
the passion that you had for the game and your awareness that this was a thing that you wanted mm -hmm. to pursue. And specifically, you cover this in the book, but specifically, there are people who are supportive of you chasing this passion. And there are people mm. who think you are crazy because <laughs> it's a one in a million, you know? And so try and reconcile for me your passion for the game that you said you really locked onto in 91 with, yeah. you know, the, the, the supporters and frankly, and the haters. So I work backwards. Um, you know, I wasn't too much aware of criticism until really until I got to Toronto, which it's more so of the business then, you know, so it stops being magical after about 18, 19. That's when <laughs> that's, that's right. when the real world starts smacking you right a little bit. And, and, you know, you find out about worlds you didn't realize, you know, working backwards from there, um, just developing that love. Um, like I told you before, my dad, he would take me uh, to um, um, the parks or the recreation center. And it went from me watching him play to him taking us to go play. You know, there was a transformation. And I mean, anytime I got the chance or the opportunity to watch play, think about it, I would think about basketball. I would play it. Uh, my dad got me. My parents got me a ball and I would dribble it through the house. He took the ball. He said, I kept doing the same moves without the ball, you know, if it was a basketball movie in, in the movies, I wanted to go, you know, watch it. I wanted to consume every every piece of it. Um, and I just enjoyed it more, more so than anything. Um, and, and one of those moments was when I was in school and we started playing organized basketball and I had always played on the playground. So I was chomping at the bit to actually play indoors. Um, to actually play on teams because we usually have to make it up in our imaginations, right? <laughs> and, you know, once that happened, um, it's funny how people start finding you. I, those people that started helping me just started appearing, like literally not out of thin air, but you know what I mean? Like, I do. And that's, yeah. like, that's what I mean. You're, you're doing the thing you're supposed to be doing. Like yeah, the world starts happening you. for you yeah. rather than to you. That's what I want, yeah. I want you to keep telling your story here. And so, yeah, and with that, um, you know, coaches, uh, I had this one coach in particular, he came and he came to the gym. Like, I can't remember how many, how, what the period of time was, but, you know, that would be, it was no Uber back then. He was pretty much my Uber driver. You know, he would take me, pick me up after school, take me to practice, take me home, the whole team. You know, we'd pack in this van and we'd go to the games, you know, and this was every Saturday. And I'm sure, you know, he took the edge off because I'm pretty sure my parents weren't able to do that. Um, you know, being, you know, trying to provide for a family and keep food on the table. And then weekends, my dad and, you know, my mom, they were always doing this. They want to do the stuff they want to do. And my dad's trying to go back to school. You know, it was just so many different things going on. But um, um, that's when. Uh, things start happening for me. I always found those coaches who who just love nothing better than to be in the gym. And that's how I was. Um, I just went and I know, you know, once you find that person, it's like this connection. It's like, wow, this kid wants to be in the gym like all day, every day. I crushed him yesterday and he's back for more, you know, and, and that, you know, just continue to, you, you know, evolve. Um, different coaches over my lifetime, but that same consistency, the coach with the big van, 
you know, or that big suburban, <laughs> you know, taking all these long legged kids to practice. <laughs> well, I want to I want to read you an expert, an excerpt from your book. And just just to say it out loud here, the title of the book is Letters to Young Athlete. Uh, it's an incredible book that it transcends sports. Um, I personally developed a lot of my habits through sports and through reading biographies about people who were inspiring to me. And your book hits on a lot of levels. I want to read this particular excerpt and ask you to respond to it. And uh, it goes like this. It says, there's a lot coming at you these days, whether you're a once in a lifetime talent, just arriving to the pros or an ordinary kid in an after school league, whether you're playing basketball or lacrosse, throwing a shot put or suiting up as a tight end, or whether you're trying to excel in the classroom or start a career, you've got a lot of people coming at you, coaches, crushes, teammates, teachers, parents, peers, the crowd. There can also be recruiters, reporters, police, haters, on and on. And then there's the toughest voice of all, the voice inside your own head. Nothing can imitate you like that voice. Nothing can mislead you, shame you, puff you up, lead you astray, keep you down quite like that running monologue. But wherever they come from, all those voices have something in common. Everybody thinks they know. So my question, Chris, is you're just in this book and that you say in the next line. So here I am, just another voice in your ear. But what makes you any different? And I'm hoping you can answer that question for us. What makes you different? Well, Why would we pay attention to you and your life? Lessons? Yeah. Well, I think the main reason is, um, you know, obviously just being having tasted success, just like I was um, alluding to earlier, me getting that feeling of watching Michael Jordan play, I got to do the same thing, you know, and I started remembering and recounting each step, you know, and there are some things you forget, but those moments when you know those things that stick out in your head and not so much the glory where you hit the game winning shot, because that very rarely happens. It's like we were talking about before, those coaches that help you, um, taking me to go get a hot meal after a game, um, you know, taking me to the Cheesecake Factory. That's how I experienced the Cheesecake Factory for the first time. You know what I mean? Like those those were were the moments that I really, really started thinking about. And and I wanted to kind of just put the cards on the table in the opening of the book because it's like, yeah, I get it. And I don't want people to think that I'm going to tell them what to do. I, you're going to have to do that on your own. And, and that's why I wanted to open out with that, because I understand what it feels like to not know, not, not really, or, or acknowledge that you're not thinking for yourself, right? Because yeah. everybody else knows, everybody else is an expert the minute they see something in you. And um, <clears throat> just walking the walk and remembering those lessons and those lessons actually helping me out, not only in the time of my athletic accomplishment, but afterwards too, because during this book, I had to kind of eat my own words with that humble pie. You know, you, you're the one that makes it. That's the one of the things I had to learn. Like, oh, humble pie, when you eat it, not necessarily to say that it's a bad thing every time, but those days when you want to be frustrated and want to be mad, I start remembering the process of, of trying to be successful on the court. And, you know, it just started helping me out and it helped me. Uh, actually get through these books and through the, writing this book and recounting these stories and accomplishments and, you know, trying to actually publish a book and put it out because we had obstacles in that as well. 
yeah, pandemic and others. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. And having, having written a couple of myself, I know the lift. It's always way more than you think. You're like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And yeah. Through and you're like, man, on your couch by yourself at six in the morning, looking around, like, what? What was I thinking? Yeah, it's you know, we were two years, and it took three years, three year process. We're two years in, and just my head is in my hands, like, you know, I don't know, but. <laughs> You go through those, and and I remembered that. So it's like, all right, I gotta stay with it. I have to that perseverance. We have to keep that up. I have to keep working with my team, keep communicating. And now is not the time to, you know, just kind of just start falling apart. We gotta stick together and and make it happen. <laughs> you've got you, you've got a, a series of pillars, a framework that you live by, that you share about in the book. And I've heard you talk about in other places that is inspiring. And I want to, I want to touch on that, but it, it seems to me that, you know, lessons that we can learn from a world's, you know, one of the world's top performers like yourself, uh, I do want us to take it out of this general universe and put it specifically in sports. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I've shared my background in sports, I feel like was critical. And for there are people who are listening right now who, you know, had no exposure to sports or don't find it interesting or valuable or, or, but yeah, I, I have to double down on my own experience. And of course, what I read in the book and what I, uh, what I know about you, mm -hmm. the, the, the parallels between life and sport and the, you know, it gives, whether that's discipline, perseverance, some of these things, you te teamwork, some of the things you mentioned mm -hmm. or others, like how important is that or some analog of that to, uh, to uh, an upbringing or to a life in order to be a top performer? I mean, you know, there's always, that's one of the best parts I loved, loved about this book is I'm trying to, you know, really draw those parallels and make allow people to make those connections for themselves because in my you know we wanted to have this universal message you know so whether whatever your profession is let's talk about pushing ourselves <laughs> you know let's talk about going ignoring that empty sign that you think you're on e just giving a little more knowing your limits um you know communicating with those around you uh working on your craft daily um, you know, those are the things that still have to go on regardless, right? I think we all are in a place and hopefully uh, people have found um, something that they really want to give their time to. But, you know, this is me drawing from athleticism as a man that lost the game at 30 to 31 years old. Um, I had to walk the walk, you know, I couldn't say, well, you've you just got to find that thing you love. I really had to find the thing I love and it didn't make any sense. What am I doing writing? Ah, it doesn't make any sense, you know? So, you know, I, I know that it can be some cynicism uh, towards that because it's like, yeah, yeah, another athlete telling you you can do it. I, you know, my thing would be just to know, know the story. There's a story in this and, and it's a reason why I'm telling uh, people to chase their dreams, uh, identify that thing that you love, because I love basketball. I love I liked other things. I didn't I had hobbies, but I'm trying to be the best at basketball. I, that's all I ever did. And then to go from that to pivoting to, you know, trying to figure something else in, in, in this, you know, in this new world that I'm in 
you know, I had to figure those things out and I'm still figuring them out every day. But in that, I wanted to leave some sort of memento for people that, you know, they could they could hopefully get a piece of motivation from or take these lessons and say, wow, I really connect with that right there. Because, um, you know, I I was an avid reader during my uh, during my time in this uh, playing, you know, and this is the book that I had never read. You know, this is the book that I felt like, oh, yeah, there's a couple of just gaps that I want to uh, put my voice on and, and hopefully um, it'll help somebody because that is the intent of uh, of the writing. Um, thank you <clears throat> for that. And the, <laughs> these pillars, I was fascinated by them. And of course, it made a ton of sense after I started deconstructing a little bit more about your life. Uh, and you can see this, this framework emerge. Um, there's a saying, you know, you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, uh, go as a team. And, you know, the second of, again, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll read off these pillars that uh, I've come to know about you. Perseverance, teamwork, mental preparation, rising to the occasion, staying in the moment, doing the work and visualizing success. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to talk about the teamwork one, you know, you, mm -hmm. um, and again, partly because this is universal, it doesn't require sports. There are teams <clears throat> across all kinds of, you know, of, 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 you know, it's a, it's a sports foundation, but there are teams in business. Um, there are teams right. for nonprofits. There are correct every day, uh, every day, every day in every genre of, of, of work and culture. Yeah. And we're social animals, so we need to work together. Um, but specifically, <clears throat> I want to talk about uh, when you transition from uh, Toronto to Miami, mm -hmm. you know, one of the first super teams, yourself, LeBron, Damon Wade. Like, what, what was it like to play on a high-performing team, to be a star amongst other stars? I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of A players in whatever field – they sometimes put themselves around B and C players to make themselves feel great. <laughs> right. And we all know that, that that's not the formula for success, right? Like right. A players ought to, to seek to be with other A players. So there's a little bit about, you know, you're the, you know, our, our mutual friend, Tim Ferriss, uh, you know, yeah. you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So choose wisely. Like, what was it like stepping into that environment? Was there intimidation? Was it, was it just pure elation? Was it optimism about, you know, being, uh, yeah. you know, having incredible teammates and, and, and just what was your headspace there and, and advice you might give others who are, whether or not they admit it, <coughs> you know, want to, want to either, you know, be the standout in a, in a team or, you know, they're intimidated about joining a high performing group of other folks. Well, um, I think people understand it if, uh, better if I tell them why, right, that I made that decision to do that. Um, I had had tremendous success in my first seven years in Toronto um, as a basketball player, as uh, the cornerstone of a franchise, the best player, the highest paid guy, that part that we all want to be hitting, shooting the game, winning shots, missing them, making them, taking them all the glory and all the criticism when it comes, but trying to stay consistent. Um, one of the things that I noticed was, um, you know, when, when, when I what I thought was a tremendous feat, and at least in my mind, I accomplished it. Nothing would happen. Um, I would still be home uh, during winning time watching the other teams play and just 
pretty much just getting back in shape for next season. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. already playing basketball again. And, 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 you know, I, um, I had everything fans that loved me and I loved them and opportunity to, you know, play at my highest peak and prove why I'm and be the best player on that court or try to be. And that's even if LeBron or Dwayne or Carmelo or any of those guys were on the floor with me. Kobe, you know, I'm trying to be better than Kobe, maybe not, but tonight, you know, and nothing, you know, uh, it's hard. It's, it was tremendously hard. And we had a couple shots at it, uh, but we just weren't good enough. And, you know, we couldn't put the team together and, and that happens. It's pro sports. And I would talk to, um, I would talk, uh, you, you know, you, you have to seek out people that um, hopefully have been in your situation and just ask advice. And that's what I did. And um, it was a few people, um, Bill Walton in particular, he said, hey, man, you want to play on the big stage? And he said it so quickly. And, and you know, I asked, you know, talked to many other, many other uh, people that have been in that position, but he said it so quick. It was just something about when he said that. I said, okay, bam, that's what I'm doing. And then in that, in the free agency process, figuring out which team I'm going to sign with next, um, I encountered Pat Riley. And, you know, he's a great for those that don't know. He's I mean, he's been he's been great every decade since the 60s. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So he's telling me this is what it's about. You you guys have to get together. It's about teamwork. It's about sacrifice. And, you know, you have to have the best in the world to be able to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And it just resonated with me. So we all made the decision. Um, you know, after careful consideration that we joined together. And then, you know, in that it was hype. It was manic mania, uh, paparazzi, you name it. You know, we went through the gambit. But, you know, at the end of the day, we still had to go out there and perform on the court um, as a team. And in that you go through the ups, you go through the downs. We were great. We stunk. We, even in the and one of the things that I learned from that whole process is no matter how good the individual talent is, you still have to gel, gel together as a collective. And um, and in that, everybody has to accept their role. And for me, um, my challenge was, you know, I was known as more of a scorer. I wanted to score. I wanted to be dynamic on the offensive end. Defense needed a little work, you know, but. <laughs> In that, I said, oh, yeah, with LeBron and Dwayne, I'm going to average so many points because they're going to pass me the ball. and I'm going to get the ball where I get it now. Oh, my God, it's going to be amazing. It wasn't like that. It's like, no, no, no. Hey, Chris, we need you to put we need you to play this position over here. You know, and that's where I, I had to kind of understand what team is because and what ego is, because it's like, no, I want no, I'm, I'm, I score all the points. It's like, no, 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 no. You can score the third most points. But you need to be, you know, best defender out here. It's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I had to fall into my role and, and I had to learn like, hey, if you want to be part of a championship, this is what it's going to take. And you'll be surprised how many players I've experienced that won't do it. And it could be something as simple as taking out the garbage. Somebody won't do it. If you want to be an NBA champion, take out the garbage every day and somebody won't do it. You'd be surprised. And so not that that was my role, but just using that as an analogy to, you know, be like, OK, yeah, this is more strenuous, more physical work, less glory, you know, because Brian and D, they're the superstars they are. And these are the roles of the team. That's a role to be the leading scorer. 
you know, to be the second leading scorer, to be coming off the bench. So there was these different roles that we had to fit. And then even in that, there was it was still hard, you know, just trying to overcome the challenges as they came. But we were able to get through it. And it was just a major lesson in why it's so important to understand those values and team, because I've seen it be successful. I've actually sacrificed something and it worked, you know, so that's what I that's one of the main messages I try to tell people. I think it's an incredible message. It matches my experience and the experience of a lot of the other folks we've had on the team on the show here. And again, this idea of going fast, you know, go ahead and go alone. You want to go far surrounding yourself with incredible humans is, um, you know, is pretty much required. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it is. And, and, uh, you know, that takes me to uh, another one of these pillars and, that is this mental preparation. And again, looking yeah. to the strings from your experience as one of the top, you know, basketball players to ever play the game. What role did the mental part of the game play? And, and just be as candid as I think you came <laughs> here because uh, again, I believe this is extrapolatable to every area of life, but tell me, how important was and what are some of the things that you did in order to prepare mentally? I would read that, That's where um, I found peace, uh, where I would solve problems, where I would go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> that was, that was my preparation. Even mentally, I would read all the way up until coach started talking. Um, I just, I just found that thing and that's what I love. Um, you know, mental, I, you know, it's hard to give it a percentage, but it's everything, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you definitely have to have a great approach. Uh, my grandfather had a saying, he said, use the thing in between your ears, because if you don't, or, you know, yeah, if you don't, no one else will. Um, so, you know, developing your mind, um, not only having other interests and hobbies, but sharpening it. Visit that, and that's what I mean by visualization, going over that process for us. It was watching film and going over these situations over and over. And when you get tired, you do it again, you know, and as well, see yourself being successful. I'm seeing myself making those free throws. I'm seeing myself dive on the floor for that loose ball. You know, I'm seeing myself be successful in that moment of truth. And there's a bunch of moments. So you, you got to, <laughs> you know, I like to keep a running dialogue, a healthy dialogue of seeing myself going through these motions um, when I'm not uh, performing. Um, and, you know, just for, for the mental edge, um, you know, I like to take in information that would help me, um, you know, be successful. I got into this one book called The Way and the Power. Uh, a good friend of mine gave it to me, and it's a Japanese uh, uh, book on the, on the samurai, the dissection of a samurai, the spirit, how you get there, the practice, the repetition, and then, you know, uh, becoming hopefully a master one day and incorporating these philosophies, you know, and I would read these things, but I felt that it got me prepared to take on these challenges that were coming because sometimes you feel like things are out of your control, right? Yeah. But you can control your reaction. And that's what it was all. It was always like that in sports, especially the harder it got, the deeper you got into the playoffs or into the championship rounds, the better the team is, right? And so you're going to deal with situations you don't want to deal with 
probably a hundred times a night in each game. You know, it's keeping, <laughs> keeping yourself in check, keeping that mind there and understanding, like, regardless of what happens, it's, it, this is what we do next. Let's stay in the moment. Let's, you know, the next evolution is always constantly moving on to the next thing, being present and then moving on, accepting it, moving on to the next phase. And, and you know, you don't read, know if the they reading work part. We've talked about Ryan and stoicism uh, yeah. previously and, you know, this idea of acceptance and reality and then sort of just stepping into the moment and present and being there. What yeah. you're the only athlete that I've ever spoken to at length about this with respect to reading. I think yeah. that's fascinating and that right up to game time. So are you reading these samurai books right up to game time? I mean, is that, is, is, yeah. is that the material? Yeah. Yeah. It would depend. The material depends on the time of year. That's like winning time. That's championship playoffs. That's like if my wife sees me reading that, she'll leave me alone on the couch. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? It'd be like, moves. yeah, he's probably, yeah, he's he's over in his zone. Yeah, okay, cool. I'll come back in like 30 minutes and or, or she'll ask me a question like, okay, yeah, what's on your mind? I see you pop the book out, you know? Um, and then we'll talk about that. Um, but, you know, usually in, in the season, I, I would read a lot of, you know, I read everything, fiction, nonfiction, uh, motivation. I would go based off of what I'm feeling at the moment. Um, and I just, it just, I just enjoy it. Just, I just enjoy it. You know, I just, I still do. But back then it was kind of like a challenge too. And it was time to get my reading done, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I found peace in it because I know it's, it's like 65 minutes on the clock and it's counting down. Coach will be here in about 20 minutes. It's about to get hectic. I'm I'm going to physically have to push myself and compete. You know what I mean? And push these guys yeah. and, and strive for greatness. And that's stressful. <laughs> it's going to be for the next two and a half. I'm going to be tired and sore after. But right now, I've got these 20, 30, 40 minutes. I'm going to read my book because I can escape and just get lost in the words. And then... When it happens, all right, let's do it. I had my young fellas, they would tell me, like, we look at you, and when you close the book, it's like, all right, you ready? Let's go. You know? <laughs> so that's Stand when they know it'd be time to play. Was to play. <laughs> um, yeah. So, again, it's, it's fascinating, the reading. Any other titles you care to share Share that uh, oh, yeah. were regulars? Like you mentioned, the, the Obstacle is the Way. Yeah, The Obstacle is the Way. Or, you know, Ryan, of yeah. course. Um uh, uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth. That one was pretty good. And um, our coach, uh, Eric Spolstra, he would gift us books during uh, during Christmas. So, and I was probably the only one to read. <laughs> you know, I would actually read them. And I loved it because um, I think Good to Great um, was one of them. Uh, 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 oh, man, what was the other one? Um, it'll come to me as we keep talking, but... Okay. You know, he, he would give us these books and, you know, we would talk back and forth about the books. And when things got challenging, sometimes I would have to he, we'd pull each other's card and be like, hey, 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 push versus pull. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come on. Come on, man. You know what I mean? But he, we would always kind of share knowledge in that one. Uh, he, he, he funny story that I tell all the time when we uh, first met, um, he gave me the book Outliers. And that's like one of 
you know, definitely one of the, you know, I read it as soon as it came out. And um, this was Mal- years, Malcolm years Gladwell, later. for those who don't know the, the Malcolm, Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell, right? Outliers, great book. And so, you know, he, he gives me the book and he's like, hey, I heard you're an avid reader. Welcome to the team. Looking forward to this season. And he gives me the book. And I said, oh, I can't remember my delivery. But I told him, like, yeah, I read it. <laughs> and his look at me was like, oh, damn, you know what I mean? It's OK. Who is this dude? You know what I mean? And, and you know, we that was always kind of a fun thing. Uh, we go back and forth with um, and, you know, I would you know ask him questions during this process and just bounce ideas. Um, you know, uh, he didn't know that the book was already done. Hey man, yeah, I'm gonna send you some stuff, and you know, I got a book coming, and we have these discussions. But yeah, man, I, I that was like a connection that we had. You know, I knew every Christmas he'd gift the team books. I go through it, and we'd eventually talk about it, and then you know, try to get some wins. <laughs> well, I, I just love it. That's a, a wild standout from uh, other. Uh, top performing athletes. I think that there's all these <laughs> synergies. Of course, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, reading right up to game time is fascinating to me as a mechanism for <laughs> yeah, uh, escape or just calm. Uh, I want to go into a little bit of detail. You talked about visualizing yourself diving for loose balls, making free throws, making the game winning. Can you give us like one layer deeper? What is the process there? Is this at home, laying on your back, pillow over your head, visualizing? Is this you know, while you're out on the floor, you're going through some mental exercises, seeing yourself, you know, are you, are you smelling the smells of the gym floor yeah. and the sweat of the guy next to you on the free throw line? Like, you know, paint a picture <laughs> of how specifically you visualized. And it doesn't have oh to be, you know, I'm sure it changed yeah. and evolved, but just paint a picture for us. So many stories in that. Um, when, anytime you can, I would say, I would daydream about it. Definitely walking through, uh, the situation. Sometimes you write it down, you type about it, think about it. Yes. What is, what does it look like? How bright are the lights? Am I at a desk? I should maybe have lunch. (laughs) You know, let's make sure I'm fully ready. I'm hydrated. Okay. You you know, um, one story in particular for me, um, was when I, um, I wouldn't hold the trophy. I, I was very superstitious about holding the trophy. No, it's bad luck and stuff like that. And we lost our first crack at the championship in 2011. Mm-hmm. So the next year, I said, yeah, yeah, let me let me get it. Let me hold it. All right. How heavy is it? OK, let me see my. Yeah, that's heavy. So I'm going to have to do it like this when we win. OK, cool. Embrace that. You know how heavy it is. Smell the popcorn. Um, and like I say, even diving for that loose ball, I use that analogy. What happened? Why is it a loose ball? And then what scenario? Because there's only so many scenarios that I'm going to see that happen. So mentally, I have to just go for it because I know I already know I'm going to be the most tired, you know, the most fatigued I've ever been in my life. But I still have to put my head on, put my face on, you know, mm-hmm. going through that process, going through our exercise. Um, you know, we would. <laughs> the defensive and offensive game plans for uh, for a playoff series in basketball is pretty intensive, you know, and it's changing every day because we're dealing with real world situations. So we're always critiquing, analyzing, taking notes, seeing what we can do better the next time in these real world situations. So, yeah, I would constantly, if I was, you know, if I had five or 10 minutes just to be like, okay, let me just think about this. 
all right, when this happens, when they zig, I'm going to zag. All right. And then these scenarios might happen. Okay. And I would just go through the beginning all the time and just get that rhythm down. And, you know, eventually you see it help. Um, the game for me would slow down maybe of uh, someone who's speaking or uh, in a board meeting. Um, they need to go over their stuff. You go over your stuff. If you prepare, see the people in front of you, you know, okay, what happens if I don't have my notes? Okay. What happens if the teleprompter goes out? Play these real world ca- catastrophes <laughs> in no, your mind. You want it to have it in your mind first. Yeah. And and not to go too deep into it, but just say, hey, I got it. Let's work on that answer. Okay. Hey, um, let me make sure I know my speech by heart. Let me make sure I'm engaging. Let me make sure I'm talking to my coworker to deliver this information and communicate effectively, even if it's stressful right now, because we have to make sure we all, you know, one of our things with playing basketball is, hey, keep the main thing, the main thing. This is what our focus is. If you're getting emotional or if you're getting just down on yourself, no, no, no. It's about the main thing. It's about winning this game right now. We'll address the rest later. And you just have to start compartmentalizing. And, you know, you look back, it's like, wow, it, it kind of worked. It, it, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it worked better than if I hadn't have done it, you know. So it's just a great process to do. Um, part of, uh, thank you for the detail around visualizing. Mm-hmm. I find that that is a, a very common thread in the highest performers, um, in the world is some sort of, you know, a mental preparation, visualization, meditation, mindfulness, stoicism, you know, so many of these. And we talked earlier about team. Um, you've had a chance to play for some of the greatest coaches, have some of the greatest teammates, uh, some of the friends that, uh, you know, across the league, uh, advice that you have received from others that you feel like is worthy of passing on you. There's a couple of great examples in the book, but I want people to read mm-hmm. the book. So I don't want to go verbatim. I just <laughs> want to let you share some, you know, I, I took this nugget from Kobe and this nugget from, yeah. uh, from, you know, from Michael or from, uh, mm-hmm. anything stand out to you? Um, one in particular, and only because it helped me uh, tremendously, which I do uh, write about it in the book. Uh, one of my coaches uh, throughout my career, he, he pretty much coached me in me trying to establish myself as a consistent all-star. He coached my hero in Kevin Garnett um, and, you know, played alongside him. Uh, so I had a great deal of respect for him. And, um, you know, we, we went through the whole coach best player process. And it was great. And um, one time in particular, um, well, he would always challenge me. I was kind of joking about my defense. And, you know, if I wasn't, he, he called me out in front of the team one time and he communicated that, you know, it's unacceptable for me uh, to be the best basketball player on the court with the ball in my hands. But just because I don't have my ball in the hands, my effort goes down. You know, uh, um, if I'm not scoring the ball at the clip that I usually do, if I'm not getting my 25 or 30 points a game, my my shoulders start slinking. I'm not communi- communicating like I should be. I'm not giving my effort that I should be. And he said, you know, that's unacceptable. You can, you still should play just as hard on defense as you do on offense. And, you know, you can still affect the game in these ways, even if you're not scoring. And... I had to go through that and realize that in live time, um, 
you know, uh, in, in particular, uh, for those who don't know about sports, game seven situation, winner take all situation. And I'm having a, a terrible out performance on offense. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get yeah. in foul trouble. I'm, I'm going through live the, the situation that you don't want to go through in that, you know, winner take all is happening right now. And a voice came in my head and it was Sam. He said, hey, man, play defense. It's unacceptable. You can still be the best player out there. And so, you know, I just made it a point uh, to focus all my energy on um, on the defensive end, on, on winning the game, on being a good teammate. And we came out successful. And, um, you know, that was a thing where to where I could have I could have just start freaking out because don't let me know. I was cool. I was cool for a little bit. Then in the second half, I was like, oh, I had to accept knowing, saying, like, I'm not going to score today because this is the universe is not on my side right now. <laughs> it's not on my side. But you know what I can do? I can dive on the floor. I can I can I can just be a dominant presence down there and I can try my best to guard Tim Duncan, who had been pretty much annihilating me up until uh, for the last couple of days up until that point. So I had to I had to kind of, you know, let the training kick in, trust my teammates to bring it home. You know, they were going to have to do the brunt of the scoring and just be available and um, and, and willing in that moment um, to do what's necessary. But it probably wouldn't have happened if uh, if my coach years ago, like years ago, like seven years prior to that, him chewing me out <laughs> because I wasn't given uh, the same effort. I wasn't b- being the best defender on the team, which was unacceptable. Um, I'm going to put pause, press pause for a moment on all of the uh, sports related <clears throat> stuff. Cause one of the things that I appreciate about your, uh, not just your career as an athlete, but as a human um, dear friend of mine, Detlef Schrempf, uh, former NBA oh. All Star, um, man, <laughs> just, just played just played golf with that yesterday. <laughs> Super good human, but he's also been on the show. And one of the things he talked to me about is just this is about legacy, and it's about being a member of a community that transcends, you know, just the way that you make a living and a life, and mm-hmm. you know that manifests in lots of ways through kindness, through helping others. And I just I want to know what role that's played for you. I'm aware of the work that you do in underserved communities, bringing technology mm-hmm. to bear. Um, I also know a little bit about some of the hobbies outside, you know, your music label, uh, daddy Jack. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you can paint a picture for those who might, you know, might just think of Chris, Chris Bosch, superstar, crazy, you know, one of the best athletes to ever <laughs> play the game of basketball and paint a picture for us about being a complete person, because I think that actually feeds into what it is that we want to do in this world yeah. and with this one precious life. So yeah. tell me the role that that plays for you and, uh, and, and, yeah, what what role? Treat others like you want to be treated, right? The golden rule. I think about that every day. I talk about that, you know, every day. I teach it to my children. I, you know, I try to do my best. Um, you know, I was, I didn't paint the picture all the way, so I pretty much come from a lower middle class uh, household. My parents were both there, um, luckily. Uh, both of, I, I've had a friend who said it, he only had two friends that had both parents in the household, and that was one of them. Um, you know, very, I guess, modest upbringing <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but, you know, I come from a place where it's an underserved community where there were no resources and I've been so lucky to have basketball, but I think about those kids that 
And I have experience with these kids because, you know, once upon a time, I joke about this all the time. I was in the robotics club and when I was um, in my senior year, my junior year, and I would notice how some of the people in the club would be like, wow, dude, you solder cable. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's yo. And, you know, let's keep it real. He's got a grill. He's got goals in his mouth. There can be a stereotype associated with somebody looking at him and they will think certain things. But he knows machinery. He's soldering cable. But, you know, this is the only resource. This is our little robotics club. I think about the uh, the kids who don't have those resources. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to uh, bring that. And, you know, my wife tell, tells me all the time to tell people, you guys didn't have AC in your gym. You know, we're in Texas. It's no AC. You know, we, we only had one good gym and we had to split it. So every other day we'd be in the old gym and there was no AC in that Texas heat. And, you know, we're just trying to strive to be a good team. So, you, you know, I, I know what it feels like to just be hovering that poverty line. And, and in that, you know, we, we still had a great time. We still were able to find something you know, and yeah. put our time into development of our minds and our bodies. And so I want to bring that to kids. I want to bring that awareness because a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people just see me and now and I'm well-spoken and I can afford to get a haircut, you know, every now and then. And, you know, there can be some preconceived notions with that. But um, I want to bring awareness to it. Um, you know, there are kids in underserved communities that need help. They need access to technology and education. We need more girls in coding and engineering and STEM education. You know, those things are are very important and I wanna promote that because somebody helped me. You know, you were yeah. telling me before, right? Thought you were crazy. People literally did. And I'm sure my dad, even my dad probably was like, this kid thinks he's going to the NBA. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but he never said, you need to get real, son. I just kept working on it, kept working on it and just, I've seen what it could do for me and not to say that each kid is going to be the professional best in the world talent, but man, to be able, it started off with me just trying to get a scholarship, attempting to get a scholarship because my dad told me he didn't have any money for that, you know, when I was 12 years old. So it's like, Oh, well, let me put my time into this and, and more so on coding and stuff like that. Like I've had kids come up to me who are teenagers now, and say, yeah, you're the reason I do coding, Mr. Bosch. Don't call me Mr. Bosch, dude. My name's Chris. You know, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen um, and heard the stories, um, and I want more. I want to hear more stories because it's not about me. It's, it's about just giving a helping hand. I've had a coach tell me one day to say, look, I don't want anything from you. I want you to be successful and you, you know, to reach, you know, as far as you can reach. And I feel that I owe that um, out there. So I think about that every day. And without that, it, on one of these car rides, going to go get a meal and work out and drive me home, he told me, like, I don't want anything from you. So I try to bring that same mentality. I just want to see people, you know, accomplish goals and, and reach their dreams in this lifetime. Two-time NBA champion, 11-time All-Star, Olympic gold medalist, Hall of Famer, uh, <laughs> now author. Um, congratulations! I want to I want to part ways today with one question, and yeah. it's admittedly loaded. Um, uh, 
the difference between wanting to be proficient and this is this is to be fair this is a question for very a, a very small percentage of our listeners mm-hmm. but i have to ask it nonetheless there are people who are listening right now that want to truly in their heart want to be the best in the world at something and yeah. to, to the, maximize their potential in any given thing i'm wondering if you can speak to that person to the sacrifices that you've made to become a two-time champion, 11-time all-star gold medalist. What does it take in no uncertain terms to be that? And I want you to be as, to be real. Um, you know what? Um, me and Kobe had a conversation. I have to give credit um, to him because this is something that he said to me and it was so profound. Um, you know, it's all of the magic is in doing the work. Um, loving going to do what you're about to do because there are going to be highs, there's going to be some lows, but just getting in, building yourself into the repetition of doing those things daily, um, even when it's hard, even when you don't feel like going to the gym, go to the gym that day to get the work in because it's required. Um, if you're trying to be the best, find, identify uh, that muse, and work backwards from that. I'm big on working backwards. So, you, you know, if, if they wrote 100 pages, build yourself up to work in 100 pages. Even if it doesn't make any sense, just get into the routine, find out these routines. And then, of course, you can always put your own splash on it. But it, it's about, to me, um, it's about the daily work and just every day trying to go for excellence. Um, that's why I have those pillars, you know, um, to 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 guide me um, when things start getting a little rough, you know, prepare my mind. Let me visualize. Let me communicate. Let me make sure I'm being a good teammate, you know. And in those things, you you begin to see in the daily work how you can, you know, accomplish that thing. Keep the main thing the main thing, right? And um, you know, it, it's about work. It's about putting in the work, right? It's about preparing your mind. Yeah, a lot of that confidence comes from the difference between ego and confidence is the work that you've put in. You know, get your get get into the work, become what you're trying to do. Um, totally immerse yourself in. It. You know, how much do you know about the subject, and then just start digging. Who's your favorite writer? Okay, well, what else did they write? Read those books. Well, who influenced that person? Well, what other genres are out there? You can just keep going deeper and as deep as you want to, but. If your why is intact, if, if you've asked yourself why I'm doing this and you know uh, uh, deep down what you're trying to do, then, then you know, the execution is in the daily practice every day. And then, you know, hopefully things work out. Thank you so much for, for inspiring us. Just a quick restate here, uh, the book Letters to a Young Athlete. Congratulations on the crazy success! You all this this history of <laughs> literature and reading. And here you are writing your own books. Um, I'm looking forward to the next one already. Congratulations! It's an incredible read. It it, it transcends sports that. to to life lessons. Uh, highly recommended. Um, Chris, thanks again for being on the show. It's a real treat. And uh, what's next? Just another book. You're gonna go put your feet up for a little bit. Where are you going, Back <laughs> man? To hot I'm uh yeah. So yeah, I'll be pretty much preparing for Hall of Fame uh, late this summer. So 
Yeah, and then it'll be time for the kids to go to school, and then I'll <laughs> kind of restructure and go from there, man. <laughs> Congratulations on the Hall of Fame, too, man. That's Thanks crazy. A lot. Of course, it's, it's your obvious shoe in, um, but uh, what a what a career! Uh, you're an incredible human. Thanks for inspiring so many. Keep doing what you're doing. We respect and appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks for being on the show. For everybody out there in the universe, check out Chris's book. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for another one soon, hopefully even tomorrow. Until then, I bid you all adieu. All right. Hey, before you go, thank you so much for listening. And I want you to know that I appreciate the time, the attention that you give to this show, to the guests, and to yours truly. I wanted to take a second to say thank you. This community, like any community, is a testament to the saying that a rising tide lifts all boats. By elevating one another, by sharing and resharing the show, the tidbits that you learn, the experiences that you take away from here, we can collectively have a massive positive impact on the world. Now, whether you're new here to my orbit or you've been here for a decade, I would encourage you to think about how you can show up for your peers, for your fellow creators, and the people in your life that you really know and care about. And one way of doing that is to share this podcast. If you got any value from one of these shows, or if you've been listening for a long time, your spreading the love means the world to me. That's how this show gets out. We don't spend a dollar on paid advertising for the show. It's you and me and the guests on the show that help reach new people every week. So I wanted to say thank you. I wanted to remind you that the only way this thing grows is if we grow together. And, uh, and I'm grateful for any and all action that you take to that end. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together.